0: Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. City on a Hill is the young adult Catholic ministry in Kansas City. Our mission is to be the community that inspires and forms our generation to be saints. We hope that this episode can offer some inspiration to your life as well as give you a glimpse into our community.
1: Welcome back to the City on a Hill podcast. A podcast where we hear stories of Catholic young adults and their walks with the Lord. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Father Andrew Mattingly. I'm the director of City on a Hill Young Adult Ministry, which is a young adult ministry based in Kansas City, both Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever specified that podcast before. Have- so if anybody's listening from beyond the metro area, we live in a very confusing metropolitan area. Don't we, Um, though? (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm here today with uh, the Associate Director of uh, City on a Hill, Ms. Dane Finney. Welcome, Dane.
0: Thanks. Good Good to be here again.
1: Yeah. And um, Paul Sappington, who's a seminarian for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. So welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me, Father Mattingly
2: and Dane. It's good to be here.
1: Great. Um, Good. So Paul, uh, for our listeners, is living at the same rectory where I live this summer um, and yeah, it's been great so far. I have all little nightcaps and chats about all sorts of things. And, uh, and yeah, you were telling me the other day, Paul, or maybe, maybe it was just today. I, I don't remember things well, but <laughs> you, you just, you just started like one of the things you're doing this summer, which is working with this apostolate called a simple house, which is a sort of a group of Catholic missionaries in Kansas city that. And you probably can already explain more about it than I can, but you're telling me you had a sort of a cool kind of first day. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, it was, it was unexpected. Uh, These people are really working hard uh, as missionaries and are in some really uncomfortable like spots, things that just you would normally wouldn't fall into. But when I got there in the morning, we went and helped a refugee family that had come over almost a decade ago from... The Central African Republic, and we were helping the the mom of that family get a job, hmm. but she only speaks their native tongue, which is Bai. And how do you how do you spell that? Uh, bai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, B- I, I think A-I? it's B A okay. I. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> okay. But she only speaks that language and broken English, and her husband speaks Bai and French, and the interview was being done in English, and so and she really needed to understand it, and so it was a it was a crazy Situation where the missionary had been trying to find a French translator, so someone that could then listen to the interview in English, translate it into French for the husband, and the husband could then translate it into Bai <laughs> for the wife, and then obviously do the thing, the same process back to the the interviewer. Wow! So it was it was crazy, but we actually ended up getting a, a little sister of the Lamb to be the translator. And so she came and and was the translator for, and it was providential because we were able to find it about 30 minutes before the interview happened. Um, So it was God's providence written all over it. And then that afternoon after having lunch with the missionaries, we went out to a a homeless camp that the missionaries had stumbled upon um, roughly a year ago or so. And we went and we talked with um, a guy named Luke, guy named Turtle, and a couple other <laughs> of their friends that were in their camp. And I mean, it's just in the, the middle of the woods. They were burning mildewy clothes. They had their laundry hung up on strings. Hmm. They had a tent with old kind of carpet set down in the, in the midst of it. They had a mattress, hmm. so it was nice. But it's just out in the woods hmm. in the middle of nowhere with trash kind of all surrounding it. And that was really my first experience of going into something like a homeless camp and those those missionaries were, um, yeah, they're very inspiring because it's, yeah, they, they give their whole life for at least a year or two doing this type of thing. And it's, they go all in. They live without air conditioning during the, the summers of Kansas City. They live in the, um, yeah, in just kind of a crazy part of Kansas City that you normally wouldn't find yourself in unless you're actually doing ministry. And so they're very inspiring. And I look forward to to what the summer has to offer because I'm not, I'm not quite sure. How much more we can do uh, to top that type of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That was all in one day, Paul.
2: Yeah, it was all in one day.
0: Wow.
1: That's great, man. Yeah, we'll see if you can top the first experience with like a four-person <laughs> translation change. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That would be a
1: mess. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Cool. Uh, great. Well, yeah, just diving into it then, Um, just sort of tell us about your general testimony, your sort of walk with the Lord and how you've come to now discern a vocation to the priesthood?
2: Yeah. So I guess first, just kind of coming to to know the Lord, it was, for me, it was a very gradual process. I had a, yeah, very, not really any lightning bolts or anything of that nature, uh, yeah. but just kind of step by step as I get older and start to look back on my life, I can really see the, the hand of God um, throughout my life, which I'm very grateful for. Um, because at the time when these things were happening, just yeah, wouldn't have ever guessed it. But for me, I was—I have uh, five siblings, and we were all homeschooled until high school, and then in high school, I went to to public high school, played a lot of sports, and studied and stuff, and and all throughout that time, we were still going to church on Sundays. Uh, but that was the—that was about it. Um, we were a big sports family, so my siblings and I have all played sports growing up, and. A few of my siblings have gone to to college for sports, and so that was a big that was a big emphasis, a big drive for us. Uh, while always keeping at least religion and you know going to mass somewhere in the picture, always on Sundays at least. So mm-hmm. so we at least had some foundations of faith for sure. Um, and it was really once I once I went off to college. I went to Missouri University of Science and Technology in Rolla, Missouri, and I went down there to study engineering. Um, and it was while I was at college, actually before I left, I remember I was at my, was at my grandma's with my family. She lives in a little a little town called Ween, Missouri, which is kind of in it's in Sheraton County. For all of you uh, county buffs of Missouri, which I'm sure there are several of you. Uh, <laughs> she lives yeah, in Sheraton County, in just kind of the middle of nowhere, farming land. And a lot of German immigrants have come there. But she lives just on this one street town. Uh, it has Saint Mary's Lane and Saint Joseph's Lane. <laughs> <And> <laughs> wow, that's amazing! <laughs> and at the end uh, of the street is Saint Mary of the Angels uh, Catholic Church, which was made sometime in the the mid to late eighteen hundreds, hmm. and it's just a beautiful, beautiful church in the diocese of Jefferson City. Hmm. So we, I always have vivid memories of of going there and yeah, just going to mass there and praying there as I was growing up. Hmm. But it was in this particular time before I went off to college, I knew where I was going by this point, my grandma had known. And she had um she had cut out from her diocesan newspaper an article that spoke about the different the different Newman centers that are active in the state of Missouri hmm. and and she had highlighted, you know, and underlined and maybe even starred <laughs> the the Catholic Newman Center uh on the campus of Missouri S and T. Yeah. And so she just kind of gave me the clippings like, hey, I hope you, I hope you uh, try to get involved. <laughs> We're sitting on the, the old divan. It's what she calls a couch. Yes. So yeah. did mine.
0: You know, yes. You know, the Love divan. It.
2: It's a good name. We In should it. bring it back. It. Yeah. Yeah. And the ice box. But anyways, uh, <laughs> sitting there on the divan, just with the dust coming up from my younger brothers kind of push, hitting the cushions. <laughs> it's roughly 80 years old, probably. <laughs> it's got plywood underneath it. Um, but I just remember sitting there and her just coming in and handing it to me, just very nonchalantly, just kind of like, hey, I hope you I hope you look into this. And that was, um, I remember reading it and kind of thinking like, Grandma, don't worry about me. I go to church on Sundays. <laughs> like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And, yeah, and so anyways, I, I I, always just kind of remember that because it was very, yeah, when your grandma just, I don't know, just comes and she's somehow speaking some type of truth at that moment, even if you're not able to to really be able to see it fully. Um, It just kind of sticks with you. So that stuck with me for a long time. And and so as I went off to college to Rolla, um, I did look into the Newman Center. I went to an ice cream social they had at the beginning of the year. I went there and one of the sisters, an unhabited sister, very kind though. She, uh, she made fun of me for wearing one of my high school shirts. Mm-mm. She's like, You're in college now, kid. I was like, Oh, <laughs> well,
1: wow. Gosh. Like, I haven't had time to go to the spirit shop yet. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Man, you guys aren't having any great sales. It's like, Come on, help the kid out. So I remember that getting my ice cream and being like, Well, maybe I'll come back. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I feel kind of perturbed, so I didn't really go back much my my freshman and sophomore year mm. and it was, it was also the case that um, I didn't have many close friends from my friend group that were practicing Catholics mm. i did have I did have two of my friends that were had gone grown up Catholic in St. Louis, but certainly didn't really look that much into mm. keeping up with it as college was going on, and I certainly wasn't on fire for my face, so I wasn't really benefiting, but the three are helping them all the that much. But the three of us would go to mass on Sundays. Mm. And that was about the extent of it. And I did check out the Newman Center a couple of times. And the times I did those first two years of college, I just, it was, I just wasn't in a place to be able to, to do well there. Because the <laughs> when you go to a, a predominantly engineering school, roughly 75 to 80% of the students studying some type of engineering you're you just you do it's it's just different it's a different feel on on the campus there's not many humanities um and it just it really lends itself to a kind of a a strange atmosphere to a certain extent which Mm -hmm. i liked i didn't mind it but (laughs) you're pretty you're pretty strange a little bit
0: my people (laughs) if only yeah but
2: i i thought i was cool um i thought that like i would go in and and they were kind of you know playing there board games or N64 talking about these, like, dragons and things. I'm like, (laughs) well, It's like, I love dragons just as much as the next guy. But it's just really hard to jump into something like that where I was at in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And so it took me a while to come around. But it was my junior year when I was – I decided to go back to the Newman Center because a couple of my my friends, uh, one of them being Drew Williams, who I think oh, you may yeah. have had on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a freshman mm. during my junior year hmm. at Rolla, and I knew that he was going to the Newman Center. We actually grew up at the same home parish, nice. at Our Lady of Lords in Harrisonville, and we were like we weren't like super good friends. I wasn't really friends with anybody at my church all that much growing up, but we I at least knew who he was, and I knew that I I thought he was a cool guy, and so. Knowing that he was going there to the Newman Center and to the different events kind of lended me strength to start going there more often. And mm. and as I did that, I actually started to to get to know the people that were at the Newman Center uh, and started to realize, like, I was right. They are weird, uh, but <laughs> they're really cool, too. It's like it's uh it's nice to just get to know people in their, in their normalcy, like what's normal for them. Because most yeah. of the, the people there, was, it was kind of surprising to me how comfortable they were uh, mm. at the Newman Center and how... Now some of them really did live differently, and really did seem it like they had a different, a different amount of peace and joy um, that a lot of the other people, a lot of my other friends, just didn't seem to to have. And so, yeah, I remember I went on a uh, an awakening retreat during my junior year, and and that was a it was a really special time. I remember the we would break up into small groups at the retreat itself, and we had I think six people per table. And uh, Drew was on that retreat. He wasn't at my small group table, but Melora, who was, hmm. I think, he was married to Drew. Yeah. It's on the podcast earlier. Yeah. She was at my table. Um, and that lent me like a lot of strength and it really helped me set me at ease because it was somebody I knew. Because the other people I just didn't really know. And like even one guy kind of left in the middle of the retreat and it was just, it was kind of strange. Hmm. And so it was, it was tough to be able to enter into that. Um, but the people that I did have, that I did know, really lent, yeah, a lot of strength to be able to, to continue on um, when I don't know exactly how open I was to, to really the whole event. But as it went on, the retreat was kind of the, in a certain sense, the turning point for at least what my focus was. Um, it was a really powerful experience, and in, in beginning to see that there are people out there that, um, that pray and that are. Like praying for you specifically, uh, just knowing the amount of people that were praying for me while I was on the retreat was was kind of an eye opener. It was mm-hmm. shocking to me that there are all these different people out there that were that were spending time on that particular weekend uh, to pray that I would have a, a profound experience of God and come to to love Jesus and His Church even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, yeah, that was a really privileged experience and. I remember one thing we did is that we took our you take your little like you write down your favorite sin on a piece of paper and then you you go and you burn it and then yeah. you dump the ashes yeah. out. And I was like, Wow, if only it were that easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like but but it's like yeah. those types of things were very those yeah. visceral things helped a lot. Yeah. Um so by the time that happened, that's when when things kind of really started to shift. And then during senior year we had a we had a priest that began to take over the Newman Center. Before that we had just a priest that would come say mass on Wednesday nights, but it was run by a um, an older gentleman who was a really nice guy. Mm. Uh, but it was yeah, just more difficult to relate to him a little bit and things. And so it was really nice having a, a priest that was freshly ordained, uh, Father Jason Doke oh, from man. from the nice. Diocese of Jefferson City. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think you may have been in seminary yeah, with him for y- a bit. Yeah, we did overlap. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So it was just really that was my first real interaction with a. <laughs> with a priest Hmm. and with a, or at least extended interaction, like getting to know a priest actually and not just seeing him every once in a while. And that was, um, that was, that was was really special. And he kind of challenged me to take over, you know, some responsibility and to be more present, to be a little bit more active. And, and I remember I went into his office one time and, and by this time I was planning on planning a, a trip to Rome or a trip to Italy, no to Europe, sorry. With a couple of my buddies after we graduated, and um, and so he was. I just remember how excited he was. He pulled out. He pulled out a map of Rome from his desk drawer that he had there for nice. some reason, and he starts marking up. He's like, "Well, first let me make a photocopy." He's like, "I don't want to ruin this." I was like, "Okay, Father Doc." I was like, "That's a good idea." That's good. So he photocopies it. He had. To, he I think he had to ask the secretary for the code for the printer. Uh, he copies it. And he just. He just starts marking it up. It's like, oh, you got to, you got to go see this church. You got to go here. Mm -hmm. Here's a market in the morning. Like, why would I go to a market? (laughs) I don't know, but thank you. Yeah. I went to zero of the markets he recommended, (laughs) but, but they're probably really great. Um, and so anyways, he just kept marking things and tell me where to go to eat, all this types of stuff, what saints to visit. Hmm. And, and then it was maybe a week or so later, he just kind of, he asked the question. He's like, Hey, Paul, he's like, come in here for a second. And he's. Like, hey, have you ever thought about being a priest? I was like, no. Was like, of course not. Of course not. I was like, no. No. And he's like, okay. And that was basically it. But <laughs> well, that was kind of the first time that somebody had asked me, hey, have you, have you thought about the priesthood? That's great. And I was like, no, no, it's not for me. It's like, I don't, I didn't stop to think, like, oh, how, how did you become a priest or, <laughs> or anything? I was just kind of, no. Um, but yeah, anyways, and then, and then continuing on, eventually I graduated from college and and it was really, my faith really started to come alive uh, when I was here in Kansas City. I was I graduated from college and then came back to Kansas City to work at an engineering consulting firm. And it was during that time that I entered into a relationship with a, with a, a wonderful young woman and we dated for, for roughly three months. Um, but it, during that time, as we were dating, that's that's kind of when the Holy Spirit really started to to move in a very in a much stronger way mm-hmm. than had been present before. Um, like a lot of questions really started to come up because she was of a different she's just of a different um, Christian denomination than Catholicism. and And it it started, I don't know why it did, but it just really started Mm. to bother me. It brought up a lot of questions that I never thought of. I always figured, oh, it doesn't really, you know, if you're Mm. you're a Christian, it's whatever, you know. Mm. What are these differences? Why do they matter? And so I really started to look into these differences. um, And this was also in tandem with City on a Hill. Uh, I had found online that they were offering spiritual direction. Mm. I'd never really heard of spiritual direction. Uh, but I thought that it's like this sounds like a good thing. And I for some reason I I think I should do it. Hmm. So I went and had a thirty minute session with with your predecessor, Father Adam Johnson, yeah. now Vocation Director, now Pastor of Our Lady of Good Counsel. Yeah,
1: full circle, full circle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I I went and started meeting with him, and and he gave me a a plan of life and just kind of challenged me to start. I don't even know if he challenged. He just kind of handed it to me. It's like <laughs> start doing this. And I was like <laughs> okay. Sure. Like, I'm zealous, I think. And boy, oh boy, like that was a, that was an awakening. Um, actually devoting time to prayer. Cause he asked me, he said, you know, it's like, how much do you pray, you know, on a daily basis? And I, I started rattling off, you know, I was like, well, I listen to listen to some podcasts here that, you know, are kind of Christian. I listen to, uh, to like Christian music. I, I'll go to mass, you know, at least a few times a week. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I'd, sometimes I'll pray part of the rosary, And uh, he he just kind of, he was like writing down things. As this was happening, he kind of looked up and he was like, yeah, you don't pray. I was like, oh. I was like, yeah, you're you're probably right. I guess I I don't really pray. And so he um, gave me the plan of life and I just, I I started doing it. And I was like, well, this is really tough. (laughs) Like where the heck do I fit in a, a rosary and spiritual reading and reading the New Testament and mental prayer and, and, uh, yeah, daily mass and all this stuff. And, and it was, uh, it was like an uphill battle, but it was a really, it was something that I wanted. I was like, well, if this is the way that you get to know God better, mm. then this is what I want to do. Mm. And so I, yeah, I stuck with it. I was, yeah, not good at it by any means as far as getting it done, but I did, I did try every day and it kept getting easier and easier and easier. Mm. Um, and, and then it was during this time also, so I was still dating this. Uh, this woman and, and it was during this time uh, I found a website with like, it was on the the web archive or the way, way back machine online, which is basically a, there's a website that's now defunct, but you can still see the screenshots oh, yeah. and I found this old website that had a bunch of apologetics on it huh. and it was really good. And so I just, I found that and I kept, uh, I would read it during my lunch breaks. Hmm. I would read it while I was supposed to be working, uh, at times. <laughs> And, uh, that was, a, that was kind of, yeah, that was a problem, but but it got, it got better. Uh, I had some good advice from some, from some priests. And then there, I also started listening to, I found an RCIA class on YouTube hmm. and I would listen to that also while I was working or during my lunch breaks. Cause I, I just found that I was really the, the whole idea of Catholicism and everything that it entailed, the wonderful rich history that we had. I just, <laughs> I didn't realize that it existed. I was like, oh my gosh, there was like this, there was this monk that knew about peas and, and genetics, and Gregory <laughs> Mendel. I was like, this is so cool. like, wow, does anybody else know like Catholics do science? Yeah. It's like, I didn't know that. And then as, I, as I've gotten older, I realized that basically all science has come from Catholics, yeah. except for, you know, like the latest hundred years or so, a couple hundred years, but all yeah. in the past, it's, it's like, whoa. so it was just the veil was starting to get hmm. torn back a uh, little by little. <laughs> by little. And it was very <laughs> gradual for me, very gradual. Um, But eventually it came, it be, just became super clear to me. There was like a, definitely a grace from God that, that uh, the relationship wasn't meant to go on, even though I, you know, like when it had started, it was somebody that I had crushed on for a while and thought like, yeah, this would be the, this would be the one, this is when it would all mm-hmm. kind of come together. Um, But God made it clear just that it, it wasn't, you know, I I had just didn't have peace with the thought of raising kids in, um, a by faith household, you yeah. know, multi-faith or something like that. And it just bothered me. Uh, and it was like, well, where would the kids go on Sunday? Would we go to two? It's like, I barely have enough time for one. Like, <laughs> I can't go to two, <laughs> two different services. All right. just other things. So, yeah. so eventually, yeah, I had a nice, pretty clean breakup and it was, yeah, the best thing that, that really ever happened. Um, because yeah, my, my spiritual life took a, a deeper turn at that moment. Um, and Christ the King just down the street from where I worked had, had a perpetual adoration. So I was able to go pray after work every day. And they also had mass at six 30 and at noon. So I made it really simple also. And eventually, um, while I was praying at one of the, the early masses one morning, the the priest was at the altar and I just had this, I don't know, just inside voice, just very, very clear thought that that as I saw the priest there, I just had something that said, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. Um, and when I kind of heard that, it was like, oh, and it just all clicked. It's mm. like, that all makes sense. Everything, just a real grace to have a lot of clarity, all kind of at one moment to see mm. that. Maybe I am actually called to the priesthood. Um, and so from there, uh, that's when I started to reach out to the, the vocation director of the diocese, who was Father Rocha. And then uh, also, um, yeah, and, and this was kind of funny how it all ties together, too, because my spiritual director at the time was Father Adam Johnson, who became the future vocation director. Where I went for daily mass had the vocation director that would say the morning mass and then the director of vocations. Or the director of seminarians would say, then the uh, the afternoon mass, and then you know, as I was going through this process, they're like, you need to meet with the bishop, and the bishop, it turns out, was a former electrical engineer, which is what I was doing was electrical engineering. and so it just it was like it, it's just kind of funny how God, God, he. He like, it's like, I'm playing Mario Kart. And he like puts like a thousand mushrooms right in her or something. <laughs> it's true. like, you just can't miss. You get the star, you get the the golden mushroom, you That's get awesome. everything all at once. He just set it up perfectly for me. Um, <laughs> Cause otherwise I don't think I would have been able to accept it hmm. or be able to, uh, yeah, to hear what he was trying to say. And it was really providential. He gave me everything that I had ever wanted. The girlfriend, the job, the house, the 2003 Honda Pilot. <laughs> he had to add oil <laughs> every month. I love it. It was a great car uh great family close by, you know, it's just kind of everything that I had drawn up mm. and then yet there was still still something missing or something that I was still desiring and it took just only a little bit of time to figure it out, but but I'm very grateful that he did choose to reveal that to me. Um so yeah, but then just been in I entered seminary after thirteen months of working, mm. I actually I entered I started working on the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul, so my name day. Hmm. I would have had my uh my fifth year working anniversary last Monday June twenty ninth, yeah, Monday. Nice. And then I actually stopped working thirteen months later on July twenty ninth, which is the feast of Saint Martha, which Jesus is like, Yeah Stop funny. working, Saint Martha. <laughs> Mary's chosen the better part. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that until two years later yeah. after I had quit. So <laughs> that's
1: hilarious. Wow. Lord has a sense of humor. Yeah. That's great, man. Thanks for sharing, first of all. That's a great yeah. story. You're um, welcome. Have things been, I mean, since you've been, so you've been in seminary for four years now, have things been also a gradual growth during your time in seminary? Maybe maybe just highlight a few things. From yeah,
2: that. yeah, they certainly have been gradual. I I don't take things very quickly very well, I guess, because it always seems to be gradual. I remember I was walking around, uh, Kenrick in St. Louis, just kind of walking around with my spiritual director one afternoon. Um, and as we were talking, I I finally came to the realization because I'd been doing this kind of plan of life that father Johnson had given me. I'd still been doing it and been faithful to it while in seminary. And I, I was, I was starting to think, uh, you know, like, Oh, well, if, you know, if I, if I keep, you know, getting these things done every day, then, then like holiness will be achieved. I'll be able to just kind of almost like rest at the top of the yeah. mountain and not worry about anything. Yeah. Everything else will just to- perfectly fall into place. And uh and just yeah, as I was walking around with my spiritual director, it just it became so clear at that moment as I was trying to articulate it to him. As like this is a lifelong thing, isn't it? <laughs> 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 you know, just yeah. like hit a peak and then you stop. Yeah. Uh but it it and then even as I look back from there, there were like little steps leading up to that moment of of yeah. clarity. So it's been a lot of a lot of like little moments leading up to moments of clarity where there's just a lot of time where things are, things are peaceful. Um, but if, like, there's a question. It just, it just takes time for me to be able to, to see the answer to it. So that, that's been one big grace is to be able to finally see that. Yeah. Holiness is a lifelong task, so to speak. It's a yeah. lifelong privilege to, yeah. to work for, for, and to allow to be worked on you.
0: Another, another
2: big part, mm-hmm. um, I spent my last two years of seminary in Rome. And I still have another two or three um, over there at the seminary. And it's yeah, that was a I didn't really expect it to be that big of a transition, but it was very it was hard just being away from family, friends, kind of just the comforts of American life that you're used to because it's just very <laughs> it's very different in Italy. And and it took me a long time to actually be able to like notice that going on within myself, that mm-hmm. it was, that I was actually having a tough time. I'm not a very emotional person. Uh, some people might say I need to work on empathy and I would probably say that they're right. <laughs> 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 There's uh, a lot that's still, still, still to be, yeah, to be worked on. But it was, I think around Thanksgiving, my first year, that I was at the seminary that it all just kind of like hit all at once mm-hmm. and that was the first time that I had like I was in spiritual direction again and just I just I just started crying <laughs> it's like I cried for like 10 minutes I'm like what the hell is wrong with me <laughs> like what is going on <laughs> and uh my my spiritual director is was, was like yeah I think things are maybe kind of tough for you right now huh <laughs> I I guess so. Like, I didn't, I don't really know. I was like, I don't know what just happened right now. What is all this emotion? (laughs) It's it's dangerous. Uh, And so, yeah, that was, that was a great kind of awakening for me that I wasn't, I wasn't very in touch with my emotions. So it's, so now it's been a really great growth over the past year and a half or so since that happened, that it's been not so much becoming more emotional. But just becoming more in touch with my emotions, just learning, being yeah. able to take a pause, look inside and say, like, what's actually going on right now? How am I feeling? Because these emotions come, you know, whether you want them to or not. But I just wasn't really addressing them or paying attention to them. And so they just all kind of stayed pent up until, until yeah, until it just burst. <laughs> but it was a really good place for it to burst. So yeah. praise God for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't yeah. like walking the streets of Rome and looking like, a you know, a, Typical Italian or something that just bursts out in <laughs> crying or emotion or yelling or something. So, so yeah, that, yeah. that's been, a, that's been a really good grace. And I've, I've just, yeah, come to, I've come to learn a lot about myself and, and, uh, you know, I always, I always used to think, maybe not always, but I used to think I had a great gift in being able to. To detect people's defaults oh yeah it's like yeah it's like i can i can tell you what's wrong with you pretty fast <laughs> but nobody wants to hear that because that's and i think everybody can tell other people's uh defects very easily much more easily than the person themselves can at times and it, it yeah it just became clear to me through some different uh instances and situations that happened in seminary that that god really prefers it seems like to work through people really being friends with other people, not trying to, not trying to just fix people, not trying to make other people your, your DIY projects. Yeah. Um, it's like, that's, that's for, for in one sense for them to work on themselves. It's like, you know, they are them, they're, they have human dignity, you know, it's their, there's their personal experience, their lives, that's holy ground. And so if they like reveal any of that to you or allow you to be a part of it in some sense, you need to treat it as sacred. And so that's what I came to realize, um, or I've been coming to realize more and more and that the, the Holy spirit tends to work a lot better through myself as an instrument when I'm not trying to take on the task of fixing people. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's been something that's just been made very clear and I'm really grateful because it just, yeah, it's just not healthy for people to try to just spend their time fixing people when, especially when, It's like you need to live your own life um, Hmm. or not run away from the things that that I need to work on myself, the whole splinter in your eye versus the log in the other person's eye or vice versa, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Paul, would you give us an example of a way that you've been able to accompany somebody when perhaps the natural inclination would have been, (laughs) Um, whoa, I see the beam (laughs) 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 glaringly.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a good question. because uh, there it's just yeah, it's just it's it's hard to to pinpoint one because uh when I <laughs> I gotta work on not judging people too, because it's a lot of what I see and a lot of like kind of what goes through my mind at times is like and so there's just a lot of instances. Sure. <laughs> and so it just um even with like one of my my buddies at seminary that was going through just a, a tough time and even like dealing with, with another guy. Um, he was, he was just upset at this other guy and he was just kind of talking about their whole debacle that was going on. And instead of me trying to, to tell him like, like, no, you should, you should do this or like, you're definitely in the wrong or he's definitely in the wrong. Um, I just tried to take a step back and just let him talk. Not so much like vent in a, in a super negative way. Cause I think, I don't think that that's healthy to, to be doing that type of stuff behind other people's backs, but to just let him kind of air it out and to like allow him to maybe see it a little bit more clearly. Whereas maybe in the past, I'd be more quick to say like, well, let's go talk to that guy right now. Let's like get this, sure. let's get this taken care of. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't, yeah. i having a hard time thinking of anything. It's a great example. Specific, but. No,
0: that's a great example because it's something that in that moment um, that's applicable every day. I don't, I don't care if you work in us in the secular world i don't care if you work in the church world um the temptation um, as human beings we rub elbows (laughs) and um faults quote unquote come become apparent and so to to go against your natural tendency that's a victory Mm. but we we got to have the eyes and the the awareness to know that that actually is a victory (laughs) Mm, yeah. yeah so that's a great example thank you
1: yeah, that's an interesting, like, self insight, I would say. And I think I, I kind of can relate a lot to that. Um, and obviously, the classic example of men wanting to fix things, you know, um, <laughs> as well as just sort of, I think, something that's somewhat inherent in, in the nature of being a man. And the, I guess trying to figure out a way it to. it really is a gift. Yeah. I'm and, tr- genuine. and trying it's to figure, a figure out a way to use that in the huh? most effective way possible is like yeah. sort of the hard, the hard part, you know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. how do I use this good inclination and not let it become overblown in a wrong direction or something? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is uh, when you think about just a couple of years down the road, God willing, being a priest, um, is there some aspect of Priestly ministry, a particular sacrament or something else that you're kind of really looking forward to?
2: Yeah. I think specifically for me, that the way that I was kind of called into the priesthood, uh, to a certain respect is that I, I began to realize that that God's will is like number one, if you follow it. It's like really great and it helps <laughs> out a lot in a lot of different ways. And so once I kind of became convinced of that Uh, that's kind of when my whole hearing a call to the priesthood happened. Mm -hmm. And so it came really through the context of trying to give myself over to the will of God. And so in, in a certain sense, I think I'm looking most forward to, um, you know, God willing that, that being ordained a priest, I'll be in some way having stayed, I'll have like a, almost a tangible sign of, of like having stayed faithful to, what God has willed for me in my life, and and like knowing that I'm, that I've been I'm been doing the will of God at least in some capacity, not not in all capacities, yeah, yeah. Uh, but just knowing that yeah, like this is the will of God for me, and I am, and I know that this is what's going to bring my my ultimate happiness, even when I start to you know to doubt it, or I start to see things that maybe I have a natural desire for as well, like marriage or something that, but it's like I I, I know deep down, very clearly, concretely, that this is what God has called me to. Um, And so really, the number one thing is is just kind of doing the will of God in this particular respect is like the thing that excites me most about the priesthood. (laughs) Uh, But sacramentally, yeah, uh, certainly uh, saying the Mass, uh, yeah, I try not to think about it like too much because I'm still kind of far away-ish. But, and I can't do it yet. But <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, I, I can't really fathom what that will be like. Um, in some sense, I'm sure it will be very plain. You know, uh, you do it every day. It's something that if you don't take the time, it seems like it could just become a routine. But, but the having the ability to receive that grace and to confect the Eucharist and to be able to do that for others um, as well as for myself is something I'm really looking forward to. And it, it's still just super, you know, in a sense, super mysterious to me. That, that That's something I'll be able to do uh, through, obviously, the grace of God. But it's like, well, it's kind of it's heavy, but it's like really exciting too at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great.
0: Father, when you were a seminarian, what was it that you were most looking forward to doing or celebrating as far as sacraments?
1: I don't know. I know I was terrified of confession, <laughs> just mostly just because like towards the end, and you you start learning about these like things that are called like reserved sins. So there's like five sins that if someone brings them up in confession, that you can't actually. Um, although there's there's some nuance to this, but but technically the sins are reserved to be absolved by the Holy See. So there's an apparatus in the Vatican called the Apostolic Penitentiary, that um, sort of you would sort of submit a uh confidential memo to them basically someone comes to you in confession and confesses one of these five things and you say hey meet me here meet me back here again in a month and uh and all have your penance from the Vatican basically
0: that's wild
1: and yeah and and uh you know so you,
0: to you were scared of that absolutely. happening well i was just i would be i was just really worried i didn't want to i didn't want to
1: <laughs> i didn't want to jack up like a you know, something as serious as that. Um, and, uh, so for example, like I, I'm, I'm probably not going to remember all five, which is really terrible, but like desecrating the Eucharist is one, um, uh, ordaining a priest. So if you're a bishop and you ordain a priest without an apostolic mandate from the Pope, that's another one. If you're a priest and you absolve an accomplice in a sin against the sixth commandment—that's um, another one. That's a big deal. Um, if you physically attack the pope, <laughs> that's a fourth one. I don't remember the fifth one. I don't know if you've studied this yet. No, I, I
2: haven't. But is it? I thought maybe it was maybe abortion. That's what. It- uh, or is that – that's a different type of reserve sin?
1: Yeah, that's reserved to the local ordinary. Oh, the, local ordinary. The, yeah, okay. the bishop okay. of a diocese. So that, yeah, I was with you,
2: haven't learned about this.
1: Yeah, and a bishop can can uh, um, grant sort of permanent, like, delegation mm. to his priest. To, I think
2: maybe not wearing a face mask in public yeah, might be the Yeah, that's first. probably <laughs> – that's fun, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: well,
0: prophets taught your class. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or yeah. um, uh, – yeah. But anyhow, I, I don't know. I I just – was really like some of the like um technical aspects of confession and also even just like the question of denying somebody absolution like knowing when that had to happen because they weren't making like a valid Mm. confession and they would like either refused to like um like totally total refusal to like give up a certain sin for example um a serious sin and And to like, so I think I I just developed a little bit of anxiety about, um, which I don't really become anxious about hardly anything. Right, I was going to say
0: this is striking. (laughs) And
1: uh, a little anxiety about like not not screwing up something as as dramatic as like denying someone absolution and um, so yeah, I I've really been blown away as a priest, just like the the grace working in the moment of confession to sort of like kind of be able to discern well, hmm. like what is, you know, and it's been obvious, like the Holy spirit working very distinctly in some moments where, okay, the clear answer here is this or that or whatever. Um, hmm. but I don't know. So I wasn't <laughs> particularly looking forward to that just because of those things. Sure. Um, although pr- like a month into the priesthood, I really was enjoying, uh, confessions and, and still do. Um, so I would say probably, um, yeah, probably just the mass, looking forward to the mass, a lot less kind of <laughs> things to have to like be on your toes about yeah. <laughs> with the mass, you know? Um, and then one thing I've come to enjoy a lot, which I did, it wasn't on my radar at all, really getting ordained was giving spiritual direction. Um, huh. so I've come to enjoy that quite a bit as well. Um, so Yeah. Thanks for asking. That's great. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: fascinating to learn because it's something that, especially as a woman, I've never put myself in that spot to be a priest, right? But to, uh, yeah, of course, I've never discerned it. But to think about the ability that, Father, I was particularly struck, um, listeners, this is our third assignment together where we've been co workers. Um, and in the first one, I was the campus minister uh, with you as the, as the chaplain and, and director of campus ministry um, at UMKC. And we had the unique privilege of having – I got to construct the chapel, like bring the actual equipment yeah. with Paul's brother to move the, the actual altar to the room and, you know, mm-hmm. to prepare the space. And my roommate painted the painted the statues of Joseph and Mary. And that was just a really unique opportunity. Yeah, And it was still incomplete. And then we celebrated our first mass where there at first wasn't Jesus and then there was. And yeah. you're not particularly – one that likes to be touched and afterwards I just wanted, I didn't, but I wanted to like squeeze you and pick you up because it was, Jesus wasn't present in the chapel. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And now because I work with a priest, there's, there's Jesus in the chapel. Right. Yeah. And it was this moment of deep gratitude for, for you and, and for the priesthood um, and thinking, wow, if I were a young man, this would be the coolest thing to discern and so hard to walk away from, uh, you know, it just hit me in a yeah. new way. So, just cool to hear what it was that you were excited about and yeah. young young Andrew Mattingly yeah. getting to yeah. bring bring Jesus to the commons. Yeah. Who knew?
1: <laughs> it's been particularly interesting to like, I feel like America in general was somewhat kind of a, I don't know, obviously we're the most affluent country that's ever existed on the face of the planet and mm. just kind of, yeah, <laughs> it just sort of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's easy in our culture to take things for granted and yeah. both material and spiritual. And um last couple of summers I've gone on mission trips to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And there my my eyes have been opened as we've gone out to these little tiny villages with sort of a local like rep lay person from like the local parish mm-hmm. or something. And they like you know, you go up into these little mountain villages and visit people in their homes and like to show up as a priest and see like you know that maybe, in their little village church, they get mass like once a month or every other month mm-hmm. or something and and like to see the 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 deep gratitude they have not not really for me as a person but for the the priesthood, like a priest is here, and like I can ask him to anoint me or I can ask him to hear my confession or something, and like just um. That's that's been pretty striking because in the U.S. there isn't really like a place in the U.S. where you'd be without mass for you know I mean COVID's been unique but sure, sure sure but but to realize like but to go to that that's been striking the last couple of years to go to a place where like because the sacraments are so much less available the gratitude for the priesthood grows to such an extent mm-hmm. has been that, that's been a pretty humbling experience I guess um, mm-hmm. but uh, and who knows maybe in our own time. If persecution, <laughs> persecution ratchets up yep. in our yep. country, which could be the case, we might be hiding out clandestinely in
2: nice. people's houses. And, I got you know, some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah. Great. Grandma's house. Ween. Nice. <laughs> I actually pretty shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. We'll cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Of yeah. course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, good. Well, Paul, I mean, you were involved in uh, City on a Hill for about a year. But would you, from that sort of one year of experience being a Catholic young adult in the world, do you have any sort of parting advice for a 20-something lay Catholic who's trying to build a prayer life and also bear witness to the faith? Like, what would you say? Hmm.
2: Yeah. I think that the most important thing that was, especially for me as I was kind of on this journey working in the world was, was just beginning to, to kind of strip away the lie that I can, that like, I can be a, a great Catholic or I'm doing my part. I'm being a great evangelizer, uh, without a consistent prayer life. Yeah. That was kind of the, an, a, a huge aha moment for me. And it was also kind of, yeah, a punch to the gut when father Johnson told me, like, as he's writing down and then looks, I was like, yeah, you don't pray. <laughs> Then <laughs> just keeps writing. I was like, well oh. and I mean that was exactly what I needed though, but that kind of gave me the the impetus forward hmm. to really make that a priority. And so I mean like waking up early in order to to pray my rosary and then I switched to to praying my rosary while driving, which is one of the greatest moves that I've ever done in my life. Maybe I don't know. Work
0: smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but in that way
2: so I could more easily get to mass without yeah. waking up an extra twenty minutes earlier. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I would say. it's like it's it's totally worth it to begin praying and just just the the whole idea that like when you pray it's it's like you're trying to just have a conversation with Jesus as if he's sitting there, you mm-hmm. know right there across from you and you just want to let him know about your life. You want to let him know what your your hopes, your desires, your fears, your struggles, your your questions, your anxiety, um, whatever it may be, you just let him know. And then he, he blesses you in so, so many real ways, especially just through, in one sense, sometimes giving answers, mm-hmm. like making it clear what it is you should do. He gives you real clarity, but it only comes through, I shouldn't say only, but it typically comes through spending time with him, getting to know him as a true friend. And that was the, that was the real turning point in my life mm-hmm. when, when things started to just become filled with peace and joy. And then it started to just bleed over into all my other, interactions with people at work yeah. with friends with with family i became a lot at least i think i became more kind at home and less trying to like fix my my parents or my siblings problems but just kind of being able to to just spend time with them and just be with them um which has in the in like the long term i think it's done a lot a lot better for the family dynamics to not be that hard hitting yeah. moralist or whatever it is it's just that's just a it's a real lame way to be. Uh, it's real tough, real taxing, on everybody. So that's that's the advice I would give: is is one, just really try to, not really well, try, but also do, uh, grow a prayer life consistently, and really, really think about, you know, when when it is that you can make time for prayer, yeah. and or really when will you pray, and then make time for everything else. Um, and yeah. then the other the other thing that was super helpful for me was was getting involved in the, all the different events that City on Hill had to offer. Tuesdays at the Boulevard, back then it was Reservoir instead of Casey Underground. Um, Band of Brothers was a part of that. Catholic Challenge Sports, played everything I could. <laughs> and it was, it was a great way just to meet people, to get that strength from knowing that these people are in at least some capacity trying to live the same life I am and mm-hmm. are really striving. Yeah. That was, that was a huge, a huge grace for me to be able to see like, like, oh my gosh, there are actually Catholics out there. Like there are young Catholics. Some of them are getting married. Um, a lot of them are, are here in this area and like, you know, maybe I am one of them. That's, that's called to the priesthood in order to serve these people in the future yeah. in some way. And and that was a really kind of powerful experience, but getting to that, spend time with that community was, was a real blessing for me and something that friends that I still keep up with today and I'm able to see when I'm back in Kansas city, which is a, <laughs> a, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Yeah.
0: And I think it's, I think it's really, really cool to talk about the aestheticism and, and the discipline that is required. Um, to ascent in the spiritual life and what it was that you had been prepared in human virtue growing up. You Mm -hmm. talked about the importance of sports. But I think so often it's, um, I had a similar experience. Paul, I didn't have a Newman center at my school, but I went to daily mass and I was an athlete and, um, I wore gym shorts because that's what I could wear because that's where I had come from was practice. And I had to bust it up the hill to make it to mass and thinking, none of these people look like me you know, just this like, yeah. what, what, how am I supposed to talk to anyone? But to realize that they had grown in this asceticism in a way that I hadn't. And I could really be humbled and think, okay, it's these little gradual steps of, okay, now I'm at 10 minutes a day of mental prayer. I did it. I feel like a baby, but I tried. Okay, great. <laughs> you yeah. know, and just yeah. like yeah. doing that as you as you yeah. grow and progress. Yeah, and It's so
2: good because it's like, God's not a bookkeeper. He's not there trying to to exact it, you know, he's not someone that's there saying like, dang, nice try. Not. Nah. It's like, <laughs> oh, lamp, guess, kid. It's yeah. like God, God doesn't need us. He doesn't, you know, yeah. it's, he's not, he doesn't change. God's immutable. And it's in some ways, you know, he delights when when we're delighting in him and he gets a lot of grace from that, but he's not, he's not there with his clipboard and, you know, his hard hat on being like, yeah, way to... Way to check in late again, you know. Very good. Okay, and so that's that's part of it. And yeah. It's like it, it, but you know, the asceticism is important, especially for beginning. It's like sometimes you just got to show up. Yeah, you just got to show up.
0: Yeah, thanks, Paul. Your story uh, brings inspiration and and a witness, and it's it's unfinished. But that's that's the beauty of it. If <laughs> it, if it were finished, um, I'd be dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So I'm that's glad right. you're living and breathing among yeah. us, and I'm glad that the yeah. we're still living and breathing too without the AC on. It's been that's right. It's been amazing that we're still awake. Yes, <laughs> indeed,
1: indeed. Great. Yeah. well Thanks again, Paul. Yeah. And, um, really. Yeah. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. Next time, we don't know who we're gonna have on next, but uh, stay Ooh. tuned anyway. I'm sure, be it's great. Gonna, I'm sure it's gonna be great. <laughs> All right. God bless you.
0: episode. Thanks for tuning in. Consider subscribing to our channel so that you never miss a future episode. And check out our website, kansascityonahill.org, to see more about our organization or to see our calendar of upcoming events. And if City on a Hill has been a gift to you, consider partnering in our mission as a monthly donor. See you next week!